In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, if you take a step back and you really think about human ingenuity, it's really amazing. I remember one time, I think we were driving, uh, the monks and I, we did a retreat to uh, Big Bear, and we were driving through the mountain. If you've, ever, if you've ever been there, you're driving off the side of the mountain like this, and then you get to the city. All of that, that whole road, is created for cars to drive through, to drive from one place to the other by probably dynamites and probably many, I don't know, don't know the construction that goes behind this, so I'm not gonna pretend, but nevertheless, many uh, machines and many, many, many things, much engineering, all these things in order to build these roads that go from one city to the other that can now give us a path to Big Bear. And I remember thinking, human ingenuity is really amazing. When we want something, we really can make it happen. And that's true. When we want something, we can really make it happen. But now the question is posed to us, if human ingenuity is able to take us so far, as far as it has today, you know, with all the tech that we have, with all the, the, the ability to be able to communicate with people on the whole other side of the world, the ability to send machinery out to Mars now and take pictures of a foreign planet. If human ingenuity, by way of desire and of fulfilled desire, is able to do this much, that's really amazing. It's a great accomplishment for mankind, all of these things. But the question, I guess, is where is that all going to take us? Not to say that it's bad. I'm not saying that it's bad. But is it enough? St. Thomas Aquinas, who was a great uh, philosopher and theologian in the uh, 1200s, he's maybe the great theologian of the whole history of the church, has this gigantic work called the Summa Theologiae, uh, and he goes by topic by topic in theology and discusses it at length. And when he gets to the, what's called the, 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 the Christological part, the part about Jesus, he does that at length. He spends a lot of time talking about Jesus, the nature of Christ, the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ. He does all these things. And that took him a long time, and it took him a lot of effort, but he did it. And when he was finished, he was asked by uh, Jesus appeared to him, and he said, you have written well of me, Thomas. Which, first of all, on a side note, that's a great compliment. I mean, if your professor is going to tell you, hey, you, you got an A-plus on this uh, essay, you feel really good about yourself. If the Son of God comes from heaven and he tells you you did a good job, that's quite the compliment. And Jesus said, you wrote well of me, Thomas. What would you have as your reward? So now Jesus is saying, you can have what you want. You did, do, you did good. What do you want as a reward for your, for your efforts? And Thomas replied, and he said, only you, O oh Lord. It's a beautiful answer. It's a beautiful answer. It's the answer of a saint. It's the answer of somebody who's in love with God. It's the answer of somebody whose heart belongs solely to Christ. It's the answer of somebody who has seen all the stuff of this world, has probably experienced much of it, has been in many relationships, I'm sure. I mean, I'm platonic relationships, obviously. He was a monk. But has been in many relationships, has has 
eaten great food, has traveled, has done all these things. And we know that Thomas did. He was a, a, the dean of theology at the, school, at the theology school of Paris. Somebody that's experienced the world and is able to take it all in and then be asked the question, okay, of all this stuff, you can have whatever you want to now. You did good. What do you want? Only you, O oh Lord. Why do I say all this? Because desire is not bad. Desire is indicative of where our heart is. If the desire for humankind is to make the world, this gigantic world, kind of smaller through technology so that we can communicate with one another on, on polar opposite sides of the world, we can get that done. If the desire for humanity is to be able to traverse roads otherwise forbidden by nature, and in a way, to some extent, supposedly conquering nature so that we can go through this path. If the desire for humanity is to invent technology that's going to make us a lot more comfortable, is going to ease our lives, and is going to make us a lot, let's say, healthier through medicine and things like that, great, we can do all that stuff. If the desire for humanity is even to travel space, We've been able to do all that. That's to say that desire can take us very far. But the question is, what is our desire? And that's, that's the question I pose to you now. What is your desire? What is the desire of your heart? Because the thing that you desire, if you work hard enough on it, you can do it. That's true. People, we've, been said, we've been told that since we were kids. You can be the president if you want to. That's probably not true. But nevertheless, you can do a lot. You can do a lot. You can accomplish the things that your heart desires. But what is, what is it that you desire? And is the thing that you desire going to be enough for you? Thomas Aquinas came to the conclusion in his life, and he's blessed for it. Thomas came to the conclusion in his life that nothing, no matter how much, no matter how much prestige, and he had a lot, no, how, no matter how much honor, and he had a lot, no matter how much comfort, and he had access to a lot. Nothing was going to fulfill his heart except for Christ alone, which is the only thing that he wanted any longer. In the Gospel reading today, we have Jesus now is born. It's on the eighth day. He is circumcised. On the 40th day, he is taken to the temple to uh, fulfill this ritual according to the law of Moses uh, for a purification after birth. Women had to go uh, to the temple and essentially be um, purified through ritual cleansing for, um, for after, after having given birth, 40 days after having given birth. This doesn't preclude that they were somehow uh, sinful beforehand. It's not that it was a sin, it was just a, a cleansing. On that day, we meet a man named Simeon, Shimon Sawa. Simeon, in Chaldean we say Shimon Sawa, which means Simeon the old man. He's called the prophet Simeon here, he's a prophet. And he was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. So, what is the desire in the heart of Simeon the prophet? It is the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel means the salvation of Israel. It means the fulfillment of the hope of the people of God that God is going to come to them as he has promised through the prophets 
and is going to save them. So, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then he meets God's salvation. He meets, finally, in his old age, the desires of his heart. And exactly what does that look like? It looks like the face of a baby, Jesus. He, looks at, he holds Jesus in his arms, picks him up, and he's able to say, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now I can die peacefully. Now I can be at rest. Because everything that I've ever wanted, I have now seen, I have now held, is now laying in my arms. The desire of the prophet, of the heart of the prophet Simeon, is to see salvation, the salvation of God, and the salvation of God comes in the form of a, of a little baby. What is your desire then? Because what does Simeon do to achieve his desire? What does Simeon do in order to have his desires fulfilled? Well, he can't do much because it's all about God. It's kind of a waiting game with God. His desire, his heart is in the right place. He wants God's salvation. He wants to see God's revelation. He wants to see the face of God. But it's not on him. He can't force it. It's, this is a relationship of love. When you force love, we have names for that that are inappropriate in a, in a setting of a homily. You can't force love. Otherwise, it isn't love. When we force God to love us or to make his love known and felt by us, that's not really love. That's us trying to take God down and make him into something that we can mold for ourselves. This is called paganism. This is what we do so often when we make God smaller than what he actually is, when we make God so that we can grasp him, so that we can hold on to him and say that this is the fulfillment of my heart. We do that by making other things God himself. We, make, we do that by making honor God. We make that by divinizing money or material goods or whatever it is. We try to take what, what, what only God can fulfill and find the fulfillment in some other thing because we're getting impatient. The prophet Simeon, though, is Shimon Sawa. He's old man. He's old man Simeon, and he's waiting in the temple, waiting, looking for. He's on the lookout. He's yearning for the, the salvation of God, and he waits on him. And then when God finally shows himself, when God finally comes and fulfills his desires, he comes in the form of a little baby. What does that mean for you and me? Human ingenuity, human ingenuity is a wonderful thing. The desires of the heart of the human person are very complex. But the thing is, we can get all of our desires fulfilled. The one thing that we can't fulfill ourselves, though, is the only one thing that will satisfy us, and that is the love of God. You see, because every other desire we can basically get. Maybe we can't be president, 
but we can become powerful. Maybe we won't be billionaires, but we can probably become millionaires. Maybe we won't be famous, but maybe we'll be well-known and popular. Every one of our desires, we can accomplish ourselves, except for the one desire that will, the only one desire that will satisfy our hearts. And on that one, we have to beg for that desire, for that one desire, the only one that'll actually satisfy us. For that one, we have to wait, we have to ask, we have to look for, we have to wait on, because it's the desire of love. The love that only God himself can fulfill and the love that only God himself by his own freedom and his own will will come to us on his own timing. If we rush it, then we'll find it somewhere else and we'll fall into a paganism that will only trap us into the worst kind of slavery. Let us be like Simeon and be in the temple, in the house of the Lord, whether that means in the church, that means in our hearts, whether it means praying daily, praying often, whether that means reading scripture, whatever that means, dwelling in the house of the Lord, waiting on him to come to us and begging him to do so. In the meantime, as I'm sure he's done with Simeon, he's preparing our hearts for that meeting, for that encounter, when he will come to us. And when he does, we'll be able to say with Thomas, everything else has faded in the background. All the greatest goods that this world and this life has to offer are now have taken the back seat. And the only thing I want left is you, O Lord. Amen.